Welcome to Our Parents Did What? A Tour of the Parenting Perils of Yesteryear. I'm Diane Aragona. And I'm your co-host, Jen Tierney. Join us as we travel back in time to take a look at the sometimes unbelievable history of parenting. Hi, Diane. How are you? Hi, Jen. I am sweaty, but good. (laughs) (laughs) We're in the middle of a heat wave. Yes. It's that time on the East Coast. Yes, it is. (laughs) So we're we're getting through little by little. Just been lovely, really. So today's episode is really special. Mm Mm-hmm. We have a very special guest today, someone who I had been thinking I would love to have her on for a long time. So I'm really, really excited that she's here. So I would like to introduce Lawan Moses of the More Than a Mother podcast. So hi, welcome. Hello, Jen and Diane. How are you ladies today? We're good. We're so, so thrilled to have you here. So thank you for joining us. I am so glad to be here. Luan, why don't you tell us a little bit more about you and your podcast and what you're all about? Because I think a lot of moms in our audience would really benefit from knowing you know, more about you. Of course. Hi, everyone. So as I said, my name is Luan Moses, and I am a personal growth and empowerment strategist, and I help moms to master their mindset and own their time so that they can achieve work-life harmony. And I do this through coaching, through courses, through workshops, through various teaching methods, really to just empower moms to strengthen their sense of self so we can really get out here and live our best lives. I am also the creator and host of the More Than a Mother podcast, where we believe you can pursue your dreams and be a great mom at the same time. At More Than a Mother, we are uplifting, educating, and empowering moms on their business and motherhood ventures. So yes, I am all about motherhood. I am a mom of three. My son is 20. Then I have a daughter that is going to be 14 in a week. And then another daughter that will be 12 next month. Wow. You are busy, mama. Yeah, you've got it all there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. So I'm sure you have some very good mom moments. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably way more than we can go over in just one one podcast episode. Yeah. I have lots of them. It could be a whole series. Should we dive into our mom moments and go for it? Let's do it. All right. So should we have our guest go first? Do you mind? Okay. What mom moment can I have? There are so many that I have. I always love to tell this story because I have my youngest daughter who will be 12, I said, next month. She's my outspoken, my advocate, my activist. If there's a call, she's going to support it. She's going to get behind it. She's just that child. And she is has always been a nonconformist. So one of my favorite mom moments with her is when she was probably two years old, three years old, could barely talk. We were in a store and my other daughter, she was four at the time, so yeah, they were four and two. And my other daughter just friendly, loves to talk to everyone. But my youngest daughter, she just would not talk to people. So there was this man that was working in the store and he walks up to us and he says, hi, little girls, or how are you? Something to that effect. And my youngest daughter turns around and looks at him and says, I don't want to talk to boys today. And she turns around (laughs) and runs away. And it's one of those moments like, okay, what do you say? That, I would say, is one of my most memorable mom moments. Because, like, what do you say? I mean, it's a stranger. You can't make her talk. Meanwhile, my older daughter's like, hi. And she's just, like, turns away and she walks over to me and never looks back at him again. And he was like, okay. Oh, my God. he just kind of went about his business. 
<laughs> That's hysterical. And it's also kind of like, like, what do you say? It's like, do you apologize? But it's kind of like, well, she doesn't have to talk to him if she doesn't want to. Like, that's mm-hmm. totally her prerogative. <laughs> exactly. It was just one of those moments. Like, I was like, okay. And he just kind of turned and walked away. And we were like, okay. I'm like, what do you say in that moment? You can't <laughs> force her to speak. But yes, that I would say that's one of my most memorable mom moments. I'm glad that the story went the way that it did, because certainly there are occasions where the person in that situation might not be as kind and like, oh, okay, never mind, and go yeah. away. Some people are like, oh, <laughs> you know, they like want to start something. Yeah. So it's nice when when people are like, okay, I don't mind this. Yeah. <laughs> Walk away. <laughs> yes, because oh what what I, what I am finding as a fairly new mom of only one child, which I'm sure you guys know very well, is that you cannot make your kid do something that they do not want to do. <laughs> No mm-hmm. matter how hard you try, they yeah. are their own person. Yep. Yeah. Especially ones with strong personalities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I yeah. got. I got at least one of those. You. You definitely have one of those in Emma. I think your oldest. <laughs> she is. She's a very strong personality. But I mean, she's going to be a great, a great adult. Yes. She's a tough kid, but she'll be a great adult. And that's what I say about my youngest, Candace. So yes, mm-hmm. trust mm-hmm. me. They will be great adults. That's all I keep saying. You are going to be a wonderful adult. But right now, <laughs> I would say I'm my favorite. When she was like four and five for that four to five year, I was always telling her, I'm the parent. You're the child. <laughs> I'm <laughs> the parent. You're the child. I felt like a broken record. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of, um, you're, you can't boss me around. You're not the boss of me. Stop telling me what to do. Like I get a lot of that the last week or so. I'm like, kid, I, like, I don't know what to tell you. I gotta, I gotta give you these instructions. It's my job. <laughs> yes, never a dull moment. Oh boy, that's so funny. Mm-hmm. Diane, would you like to go? Sure, I will go because mine's pretty short. Um, but you know, when you're just like having a really stressful week, and and sometimes your kids can add to the stress, but sometimes they do really sweet things that really just kind of make everything better. So I was having just like a, a crazy week and all my students were like canceling and rescheduling at the last minute because it's summer break and people are like, I'm going to go on vacation, you know, and stuff like that. So I'm trying to just like frantically reschedule people and move things around and get things to work. And my daughter comes over to me and she sits down on my lap and she looks at me and she starts to like pet my face and, and she's looking and she goes, mommy, you're so pretty. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> really she's two (laughs) and and she was like you're so pretty mommy I love you mommy and I was and normally I mean she's always very sweet and affectionate but she's kind of like the child that never stops moving and has so much energy and just bouncing off the walls 24 7 so to have this little like quiet moment with her was just like it totally made my week better it was like the nicest thing so Hmm. it was good I know my mom moments are usually like <laughs> very sweet very yeah they, they, I tend to try to make them sweet sometimes they're funny sometimes she locks me in the basement but not this time <laughs> <laughs> so. oh my goodness so mine's mine's not as sweet as it usually is not as sweet as yours I I had to do something absolutely gut-wrenching yesterday oh no so Liam all of my kids have had a case of molluscum, which is a skin virus. It's very common among kids. Daycare kids get it all the time. And it's basically just like, it's like the chicken pox, but they don't itch and it sticks around for like 
several months. Oh. <laughs> so it's just it's just like not pleasant. And Joey had it and he gave it to Emma and Emma had it and she gave it to Liam. And now Liam's had it for like four months and it just wasn't getting any better. So finally I was like, all right, I'm just going to take him to the dermatologist. So I managed to like get in a last minute appointment yesterday. I brought him in and they put this stuff on his skin and they were like, this is going to trigger his immune response. So there's a really good chance that after we put this on and then you rinse it off in four hours, his skin's going to look much worse. But then in a few days it should clear up. And I was like, okay, great. So they like dab all this like it, it must be some sort of corrosive stuff. I don't know. But they dab all this stuff on all of his little spots. And four hours later, I take off all the bandages and his skin has just like exploded. And he's in like so uncomfortable. He's just screaming. And I'm just like, oh my God, how did I do this to you? Because oh, no. it was my choice to go and have them do this thing to like clear up the molluscum just because like they kept on getting infected. And I was just like, instead of having this long drawn out thing where for the next few months we're going to be taking care of all these little infected things let's just like get it over with but like poor little guy and he was just like he just keeps going mommy no no spots no no spots oh <laughs> Liam, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and he's just so tiny he's like two and it's it's so sad when you are the cause of your child's pain yeah <laughs> But it is it is for the best in the end, but sucks yes. in the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, the the doctor was very kind to me and was like, "This is going to get a lot worse before it gets better." And just be kind to yourself. And I was like, "Okay, I'll try." <laughs> so, yeah, poor buddy. <laughs> You're doing a good job. Yes, you are. I try, <laughs> and it's going to be okay. Yes, yes. He'll, he'll be fine in a few days. Yes, I've never <laughs> heard of that molluscum. Neither am I. Yeah, it's pretty gross. I mean, <laughs> if you want if you want to know more about it, you can go do a quick Google search and it's, <laughs> it'll come right up and see what the rash looks like. It's super fun. Lovely. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes so everyone can enjoy. <laughs> Wonderful. So on that, on that note, <laughs> should we go right into our topic of, of the day? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, Luan, you're going to tell us something today, right? Why don't you let everybody know your topic? Today, we are talking all about the history of women in the workforce. Oh, yeah. I am so excited because we're all working moms, right? I, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All okay. of us. Yes. So, this is going to be very interesting. First off, one thing I will say is I don't talk a lot about women in the workforce or the history of it. So, this is very interesting to me to really sit down and start to uncover all of these things. And I think the most, I would say, surprising thing I discovered is how recent equity and pay and all the women's rights, all of those things that we talk about, it's really not that far removed from us. I mean, we're talking like the 1970s, 1990s, where all these rights and things are starting to come to women. But when we take it back even further, one thing that I discovered is that there's a lot of talk these days about moms in the workforce and how we're in this movement to kind of raise our kids and be great moms at the same time. And it's always coming from the angle of, oh, this is something new. Moms are stepping into it. But in doing the research, and it was going back to like the 1800s, 1900s, it was saying how there were so many moms back then that were career women 
and they were also nurturing their children at the same time. Really? Yeah, really. It blew my mind. It's like, okay, it's not this modern phenomenon is what it said. It's like, this has been going on since the 1900s, but it's not in the history books. It's not talked about. It's not something that's out there, but there were women that were in the workforce that were going through these barriers and changing the world, but it's just not talked about. And I couldn't find the research as to why it wasn't talked about. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we could think about why yeah. with our patriarchal society. Yeah, I can think of a couple of reasons. Right. <laughs> I'm sure we could fill in the blanks with our own rhetoric as to why it's not there, but it really did amaze me. So I'm like, I never heard that until I was reading, I forget which article it was I was reading, and it's like there were so many women that were back then doing this. And here we are in the 2021 thinking, oh, we're doing something new. And it's like, no, ladies have been fighting for this all along and doing it just now that it's seen and it's broadcast and we're breaking through these barriers that they set the tone for. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. And we're communicating a lot more, you know, among one another about what that experience is like. And I feel like before the internet and social media, there wasn't a way to share those stories readily. Any population that isn't working moms yeah. is not going to get that message before social media. So now that can be shared and everyone can see what it looks like on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really, social media, that's one of the good parts about the internet and social media is that these messages can be spread and reach more people. But it really did amaze me how back then, it was like, okay, this is not something new. This has been going on. You're just not going to read about it in your history books. Yeah. And then it also uncovered how even though all of this was happening back then, as we move forward to the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and we think about even as things that have just started now to kind of transpire, it's saying that you know, even with all that we've done and all that's happening with women's rights, it's still... We still have so far to go in the workforce in terms of paying maternity leave, affordable childcare, mm -hmm. those things like that, that we saw as barriers, even when we think about childcare, when we think about this pandemic that we've been in, how many women were forced to leave the workforce because of this pandemic. Yeah, we were talking about that one day. All these strides that we've been making in the past, you know, what, five, 10 years or whatever. And the pandemic has just set so many women back. And I, it's, it's scary. Like, I wonder what's going to happen. I don't know. It has. I think I saw something. It said like 5.8 million or something. It was a high number wow. of women that left the workforce because of this pandemic. And then even now, I feel personally that we're going to see more and more women, especially mothers, leaving because mm -hmm. a lot of these jobs are adopting the attitude of, okay, let's forget that we've been in a pandemic for the past year and we had flexible work. We're just going to go back to business as usual, but it's not business as usual because so many things have changed. It's true. Like, haven't we learned from this experience? Like, flexible work hours are a good thing, especially for moms. Like if anybody can get it all done, as long as you give them enough time and flexibility, it's going to be moms, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so right. like, just give them the flexibility to do it. But I, I was just reading an article about that, Luan, that like, you know, offices are like, okay, back in the office, nine to five, let's do this. And it's just, it's going to be hard. It is. It's going to be very hard. As mothers, we've shown how we are getting it all done. We were doing the flexible work, managing the home 
doing whatever we could with our support systems. And the fact that a lot of these companies and organizations are like, okay, let's forget what we just did. We're going back to business as usual. There's no flexibility at all. And I think that's the part that amazes me about companies is that when you had to do it because you had to keep your company going, it was, oh, everyone can work from home. But now it's like, oh, let's forget that we ever did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm very fortunate because I think in the tech space, our our company has essentially said we're going to be remote optimized from now on. When the pandemic's over, we're remote first. And if you want to come into the office because you want to socialize or you want to get away from your house or whatever, the office is here if you want it. And that means that they've downsized their office space quite a bit. But that also saves the company a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And they've found that they get a lot more work out of their employees when you remove a commute and people take fewer vacations. I mean, partially because of the pandemic, but in general, if people have the flexibility to get all their stuff done and go to all their appointments and take care of their kids and like Mm -hmm. all that stuff, because they have a flexible schedule, they don't take as many days off. So it's really to the benefit of companies It is to let people remain flexible. I don't know. Yeah, it is. But what are we going to do? And I just found that to me, it was just interesting in thinking about the past and the present and how it's all kind of, we're seeing this all kind of play out with, and I feel like I always get on this kind of thing when it comes to anything about women. I feel like women are the most like regulated law based kind of everything is decided for women based on law from what we do with our bodies to work to everything. And it just amazes me how it's like, it's written on paper and then this is what's going to happen for women. Like how is that still happening these days? And nobody's (laughs) listening to the women, exactly, right? Nobody's listening to the women who are, are screaming like, this is what we need. And they're like, no, I don't think that's what you need. And in thinking about and going back to the history of women in the workplace, I will say I found one interesting thing that I'm sure we could talk about is that in 19, I'm looking at my notes here, 1936, only 18% of people believe that wives should work. Jeez. And I was like, that is not that long ago. There. Are... <laughs> what year was that again? 1936. Oh my God. There's still people alive from that year. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And it was like they did a study, a survey, I don't know who didn't say who they surveyed, but according to the survey that they did, only 18% of people believe that wives should work. Yeah. We still have such a far way to go if we think about where we are, even in talking about equal pay. Like when it said the Equal Pay Act was done, when was this? 1963, it says it was finally passed. Yeah. But it started in 1945 and it was failed. But then 1963, it was passed. But then if we look at equal pay, women are still making like 80 cents to the dollar. And then if you're a minority woman, then it's like 70 cents to the dollar of a male. So it's like we have the Equal Pay Act. We have an equal pay day where we're advocating for equal pay. But yet there's still no equal pay. And if this survey, this article that I was reading is correct, it's saying perhaps by 2059, we'll finally have achieved equal pay. And I'm like, okay, I won't be working then. My oldest child will be almost 60 years old. Like what? By 2059? That's really depressing. (laughs) Isn't it? And that's what I said. That's how the article started off. It's like equal pay. By 2059, women can expect to achieve equal pay. And I'm looking back. They're like, well, the act was passed in 1963. So it's going to take from 1963 to 2059 
Mm -hmm. So perhaps maybe it was still a question mark. Maybe right. you have equal pay. Jeez. <laughs> like it's crazy. My word. That it's, is crazy. It is crazy. Isn't it? It's insane as to the barriers I would say that women face in the workforce and have always faced no matter what we were doing from seeing that there were bans on certain jobs that we could have, certain industries that we could work in. To where even now, if we look at coming forward and even in the history where we go for like promotions or high level jobs or becoming a CEO. And I think I saw something that was like in the 1970s was like the first CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Like that was only about 10 years before I was born. So all these things are so relatively new. And it's like we're gathered to talk about the history of women in the workforce. And like it still feels like we're in the history because there is so far to go and it's like we're still making history yeah and it was really as you said that depressing stat of by 2059 we might have equal pay I'm like well this is just a depressing topic yeah. all around as I'm reading this <laughs> I know here I here I was thinking like oh we're gonna find out how far we've come that it's gonna be great and yeah it's so empowering <laughs> that's what I was thinking too and I'm like hmm yeah, this is I'm not feeling very empowered right now, but no. I feel it is encouraging to see how it's laid out just the step by steps of the progress we've had we have made. And I was encouraged in knowing that moms for the longest time have been working and raising kids and now we're just more vocal about it. So yeah. that to me was empowering and just seeing the steps that are taking, but seeing how far we still have to go was kind of like, wow, we've come a long way, but there is still so much more work to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's exhausting. <laughs> the arguments that I see, so my my company for the last several years has done a, because it's based in the UK, we have to do a gender pay gap report annually. And it is very transparent about the difference between what men are paid and what women are paid. And their goal has been, okay, by I think it's 2025 to have complete equality. And it's interesting because the gap that exists exists almost entirely in just the difference between how many men have senior positions and how many women have senior positions. Like if you look at the same position, a man has it and a woman has it, they almost always are paid the exact same amount because we use pay bands and we believe very strongly in equity within those pay bands and within those roles and all that. But all the people who are in the VP roles and the executive level roles are mostly men. <laughs> and so if you're not promoting the women, then you're always going to have a gender pay gap problem. And I think they identified that in the last you know, year or so, and they've consciously made an effort to address that. But what ends up happening is you have a woman who leaves on maternity leave and in the UK, you can take up to a year off and they miss out on promotion time, on advancing time. And then when they come back, their male peers who haven't been on maternity leave have been promoted in that time. So that's where like the problem lies. So it's like, oh, okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll make the babies and then we'll recuperate from making the babies and then we'll take a career hit because we made the babies. Awesome. Right. Like we made the babies by ourselves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? I know. <laughs> it's really frustrating. That's the part right there that gets me. Yes. Mm -hmm. We carry the babies. We give birth to them, but we did not make them by ourselves. But yet yeah. a lot of times that is how it is viewed. Yeah. Yep. I've been very excited about the 
the parental leave policies that have had happened, which have led to more men within within my company, men take as much time off as women when there is a baby born in their lives. And to me, that's like, that's going to help with equity because it's totally now you go away for three months. <laughs> yeah, that's happening at my company, too, where the men are taking the parental leave. So mm-hmm. that's good. That's a big step. It is a big step. And I mean, it's needed. Even in the way that people speak to women about being in the workforce and being a mom. Like just recently I had somebody, you know, at a job say to me, like, like, how are you able to be here right now? Like who's, you know what I mean? And I was like, well, my husband is being a parent right now. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and I guarantee yeah. you, nobody asks him that question, which is so frustrating. No. Well, nobody, I think ever, I mean, maybe, maybe it's happened once or twice before in the history of all humankind, but I don't think anyone has ever asked if the mother is babysitting the child right. ever, <laughs> ever. That drives me crazy. <laughs> we don't, we don't frame motherhood that way. No. It's like a built-in part of our job, but fatherhood's like, you cannot babysit your own kids. No. That's what I tell people when they say that. Is yep. dad babysitting? You cannot babysit your own kids. No. You're parenting. <laughs> Do you ask me if I'm babysitting? No. No. <laughs> and like you said, they don't ask that to men at work. They don't ask... They don't think about when a male goes to work, it's not, okay, well, who's home with your kids or mm-hmm. what's happening with your kids? Right. Do you miss your kids so much? I'm sure you wish you were home right now. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's that patriarchal yeah. thought process. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it comes down to. I saw this Instagram reel the other day that had, when we were talking about promotions and it had like the path to promotion for a man versus the path to promotion for a mom or a woman. And it was like, man qualifies for the job and straight line gets promoted. And it's like, <laughs> woman qualifies, but then she's questioned about her skills, questioned if she can handle the position, told that she's too bossy, questioned if she would have time for the position. And it went through like this whole thing. And then at the end, it says, hires external male candidate. And I'm like, that's really how it goes. And it's crazy. <laughs> You're just as qualified and more qualified, but they question and think twice. And it made me think about what you said about being the men being in those senior VP positions. And it's because women aren't getting promoted. Like you said, women are taking time off from work. But then another thing that us women, which I like to empower us to do, is that we take on more responsibilities in our lower roles than we should. And then mm-hmm. we don't demand to pay. We don't demand to have a promotion, but yet we're doing all the work as if we were promoted. Yep. I like to call it a workplace housekeeping. Yes. Just like, <laughs> like managing the events, cleaning the freaking fridge and all the dishes that people leave in the sink. Yeah. You're playing mom. At one point, my colleagues in the department that I was in, which was like 90% male at the time, they referred to me in a meeting as their work mom and I thought I was going to lose my absolute mind I was like oh (laughs) I see (laughs) but that's what happens when you're like the non-technical person in a technical department who does all of like the operations work and you're a woman (laughs) yep your mom Mm -hmm. great good so glad I can be mom here too Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have a water cooler at my job and it's predominantly men there. There's a few of us ladies on the floor and the water cooler, they never want to flip it over. 
they never want to replace it and they're looking to the women to do it. I want, I don't have, I'll bring my own water from home. I'm not doing it. It's like, it's amazing how <laughs> many <you>. men <laughs> walk past it <laughs> and they mm-hmm. won't take off the big old empty jug and pick up the heavy one that, and replace it. I'm like, yeah. what are you? And then they complain that there's no water and they will walk past it and go somewhere else to get water instead of picking up the jug. And I'm like, that is ridiculous. <laughs> It is. And then like the admin assistant, she'll do it or somebody else will do it. I'm I'm not, I learned, I've been there probably, what, 14 or no, almost 12 years now. Oh, wow. I learned early on, I'm not doing this. Cause I was like, I noticed the pattern. Like they never do it. Mm-hmm. Why? But then they use it all the time. Yeah. Yep. It's crazy. Not to get too <laughs> off topic, but it's, it's also kind of like the whole mental load idea for moms, right? Or, or, you know, women in the household, but I feel like it applies in the workplace too. It's like, oh yeah, totally. Because we're so used to like, it's been ingrained in us because of our society to, to think of all these little things in the background, the kind of the minutia that make things run. Like men just don't think about that. Right. Like, like I love my husband, but he mm-hmm. never thinks to refill the, the water filter and like, he'll just use it until it's empty. And somehow it magically just gets refilled. Right. And he just like, he never does it, but it's just it, water just appears there. Well, it's because I fill it like 20 times a day. And it's like just those little things like that. And he's so helpful and he's amazing. And he, I'm sure he would agree with me even if he listens to this. But, you know, it's like these little details that they don't even think about. And the same thing probably happens yeah. in an office, I would assume. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like one of the things that I think is like one of the funniest if you brought it up with a man in your office, they would be like, I don't do that. It's like this tiny little microaggression that's just like so awful. Almost anytime I am in like a one-to-one conversation over email or Slack or whatever with a man and we need to have a conversation where we're talking face-to-face, almost every single time they will beat me to the, can you put something on the calendar for us? Mm-hmm. Like, what about your secretary? You yes. Put, you put it on the calendar. <laughs> I am higher up than you in this company. <laughs> I am your superior. You make the meeting with me. <laughs> right. Put it on your calendar. Get out of here. <laughs> but it happens to me all the time. Like, oh, can you grab a spot on, our, on my calendar? No. <laughs> you do it. <laughs> exactly. Just the system as a whole, as we say, when we say system reform, there's so much system reform that needs to mm-hmm. occur. Yeah, And really just even when you were talking about being the superior, but there's still that mental space where it's just like, okay, even though you are the superior, we're thinking back to history to where women didn't have those roles as yeah. being the superior. So they were the admin assistant. They were the one that was handling those little details. So it became that natural, like, okay, put this on the calendar. Can you schedule this? Can you do that? But it's like, no, the roles are evolving. Things are going. So I'm not your assistant. I'm your superior. Yep. Yeah. You can, you're perfectly capable of doing this. Mm-hmm. And it just shows how people have been conditioned, I would say, over the years to kind of just do these norms and things that we're used to, but it's like, okay, the norm is changing. History is changing. We're evolving. We're getting higher positions, getting more power. And as we said earlier, we have a long way to go, but seeing more women in positions of authority to me is encouraging for women in the workforce as a whole. Yeah. And I think we're proving very clearly that when women are given that level of responsibility and that power that we often 
wield it in ways that are really beneficial to the entire company, to to a lot, to like a very large group of people, because we're doing all that mental arithmetic in the back of our head about, you know, how, how is this going to impact this and how's it going to impact that? We, right. we have that mind that sort of thinks about the impacts of a decision on lots of different things. Whereas I think like historically companies that have been, and I, and like, and I, I'm basing this on nothing other than like my own internal judgment. I have done no research into this, but it is my experience that companies that are run by men are often less kind to their workforce and less thoughtful. And if you have women in places of power, like women in positions like inclusion and belonging or diversity and equity, like those kind of positions that get made within like an HR role, if there's a lady in that role, especially a woman of color, it's like the company becomes so much more warmer and kinder and more thoughtful. And I think that's really that's what women bring to the table is like a, a warmth and a compassion and, a, and an ability to just be empathetic. And because that those are qualities that we are socialized to do. And so we're real good at them. <laughs> Whereas men are not socialized to do those things. And also, you know, we know what it's like to have been, you know, left out of the conversation. So we want to think about all the people and make sure they're in, in the conversation, at least, you know, I would hope so. Yeah, I think that's true too. I'm sorry. I keep. I feel like I keep going off on tangents, but I, I remember, Jen, from one of our older episodes from the maternity clothes episode, and this was the thing that got me interested in learning more about women in the workforce was it was talking about how like up until, what was it, like the 70s, I think, like maternity clothes were just like sacks. They were like, they just looked like burlap sacks because women didn't have to go anywhere. And so like, as soon as women started entering the workforce, that's when maternity fashion like became a thing. And that wasn't till like this, I think seven, I think it was the seventies, maybe the sixties, but like that never even occurred to me that like, oh, women didn't even need like nice maternity clothes because they were just in their house with their kids. Like they didn't get to go to work. It just that's what like made my brain go like this, like you said, Luan, like this is more recent than I thought. <laughs> it is. It's very recent. And it you made me think of something else that I wrote down when we were talking about maternity clothes and all, that there was actually in 1978, they had to pass a Pregnancy Discrimination Act, which made it illegal for employers to discriminate against workers for being pregnant or having children. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until, what was that, the 1990s that they did the FMLA, but it was just amazing that in 78, that was a few years before I was born, yep. that women were being discriminated against for having children. And it's amazing that the history is not too far removed. So I'm like, we're talking about history of women in the workforce, but it's like the history is not too far removed. No, it's not. <laughs> it's like all these things were getting closer and closer as I'm looking through. I'm like, oh, these dates are getting more and more recent. Oh, I had a child when this law went into. Oh, <laughs> just like I found something about like breastfeed, having a break to breastfeed. I was like, okay, well, my kids were out of that age by the time this became law. That's super recent, right? I think 10 years ago or something like that. I'm like, I didn't even have kids that were breastfeeding age when this law came into effect. I remember going back to work and having to find places to pump because mm -hmm. there was no place to do so. And then I think after this act was passed, I think my daughter was probably like three or so. I remember my job putting in 
a mother's room. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that would have been nice to have when I first started here. Right. Yeah, it's really recent that now there is a law that you have to have a space that with a door that can close. Yes. I don't think it has to be able to lock, but it has to be able to close for a woman to be able to sit inside of. They need to give you breaks. And I think it's like it can't count as like your lunch or something. Like it has to be like separate breaks or something like that. Yeah, it does. To be honest, to me, it's still kind of like the bare minimum. But it's it's a step in the right direction. Yes, 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 yes. It's definitely the bare minimum. It's just enough to say we are doing something. We're doing we're doing something <laughs> to accommodate. We're this is the law. <laughs> but yes, it, I mean it is encouraging. Although I depressed you with all my stats in this interview that we thought was going to be so raw, <laughs> it is encouraging to see how far we've come and just to see where we'll be going. I mean, if we're looking at the present. We have a woman that is a vice president. So, I mean, look at the strides that we are taking as women and we are continuing to break those ceilings and break through those walls. So, uh, so although the history is not that far removed, I feel encouraged as a woman that as our children grow and as their children grow, that they will see more and more of that equality. And hopefully it doesn't take till 2059 to get equal pay. I hope not. <laughs> I truly hope not. I think there are individual companies that are that are going to get there a lot sooner. Mm-hmm. And then there are some companies that just that just won't because they won't care about it. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, as depressing as it was, like, as you said, I think even just thinking back to like, my mother compared to me, like my mom, when she had kids, she didn't she stopped working until my brother and I were in like, I think like middle school or high school. Yeah, my mom too. And I think we were in middle school and then she went back to work. But like that was just – and that was the 90s, right? I was born in 89. Like that that's just what you did. Um, I mean nowadays, aside from the fact that women want to work, it's really hard to have kids without having two incomes. <laughs> but yeah, things are really different. Yeah, they're very different. And um, I think we'll see more as technology increases and – Women are able to, if they want to start their own business, they can do that. We can, I feel remote work, as you were saying, is here to stay. So Mm -hmm. there are going to be more and more companies that are flexible, that are offering remote work, and they're going to attract these women and attract us mothers that are looking for that option. So I feel that in the end, those companies are going to be the ones that we start to see win because they're recognizing the need to be remote and saw that it worked for how long. So why go back? As you said, it saves so much money for the company. And a lot of moms, a lot of women said they felt more productive and felt they were able to give more to their jobs because of that flexibility in getting everything done and managing it to our own schedules and all of that. So Mm -hmm. I feel that as the remote work increase, then we will see that women are making more and more strides because we're not going to have to be in that situation to choose, okay, do I have to stay home with my kids? Do I, can I afford childcare? Is the childcare going to fit with my work schedule? The school schedule doesn't fit with my work schedule. It's going to eliminate a lot of those barriers. So I am encouraged in that aspect. Yes. Yeah, that's a really good point. (laughs) Very good. Way to go up to a high note there, right at the end. That was good. Yay. <laughs> Luan knows what she's doing. She's old hat at this. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I can I can weave a story. I have to always find a way to end on encouraging. Well, I can tell the most depressing story, but I have to always find a way 
put some inspiration in there. That's an important quality. <laughs> yes, I love it. I, I I do. I felt like we kind of we went down. We were like a little sad, depressed. That we came back up over the hill. We're good. <laughs> So thank you. Luan, this has been really, I mean, aside from being, you know, very insightful, this has been a lot of fun. So I just want to thank you again for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for reaching out and having me. This was fun. And as I said, I never really looked into this topic before. So I like that this was like, you guys were like, hey, this is something we haven't talked about before. How about we do that? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I'm all for trying new things and it worked out. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, Luan, do you want to do you want to plug uh, some of your things and where people can find you one last time? Yes, yeah, so you can find me online. I hang out a lot on Instagram, so my Instagram is at Luan Moses. And of course, head over and check out my podcast, The More Than a Mother Podcast, and it is on all major podcasting platforms. So those that is where you can find me. I also have a book. It's called Rising Above Statistics, How to Overcome Obstacles and Achieve Success Against All Odds. And it details my story of being a teen mom who was depressed on the verge of suicide, who really overcame my obstacles, developed a mindset of determination. And now I am here before you empowering women to just keep going and keep pushing and keep striving. So those are all the great ways you can connect with me and find me. Oh my goodness, Luan. I'm, oh, I need to get this book. I need to read all about you. <laughs> I was already listening to the podcast, but now like. <laughs> this is great. Oh, okay. For our show, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. <laughs> which I have not posted on in a really long time. Hey, we're moms. Um, we're, we're, we're busy. OPW podcast. It's just too busy. It takes a lot to make TikToks. <laughs> um, I'm much better at being a, a consumer of media than yes. a creator of media. This is the only thing I create. So so we're in all those places. And if you'd like to send us an email, we're at opdwpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, if you have any any mom moments to share about being a working mom, let us know. We love to share new mom moments stories on the show when we can and our music of course is by theo rosenberg who just graduated high school <laughs> so thank you theo and uh can't wait to see everything that you do Yay. yeah i know chuck was like i can't believe he's graduating high school because uh i think i think chuck my husband has been teaching theo since he was like 10 11 maybe so it's crazy it's been a long time so so thank you theo for our awesome music all right lawan until next time remember i am not your work mom <laughs>